All right, so I think we're like 60-some days from Christmas. Anyone excited about that? Yeah, Christmas. Last year, we all had the flu uh, over Christmas, and I was like, why, God, have you forsaken me? It was awful, awful, awful. But this year, we got flu shots, so it's going to be great. But you ever have, like, a present that you get wrapped, and it's under the tree, like, really early, like the day after Thanksgiving? And you just sit there and wait and watch for it to get, and you're just waiting. It's getting dust on it. You're like, oh, what's in it? I want to see, and i got to wait 30 days for this, you know? And then if your family doesn't open on Christmas, like sometimes we do after Christmas, you're like an extra week. You're like, what is this life? You know? It's stressful. Um, not, no one has ever really probably gotten a gift, maybe you have, but that you didn't want to open, right? I don't think I've ever gotten a gift where I, I was like, oh, this would be great. Even if I know that it might not be that wonderful. Like when I was a kid, my, my grandma would always like make our clothes presents a certain shape, and then all of our toys presents a certain shape. Remember that? And I was like, well, these are to clothes, and then these are toys. Let's do that. And then one time I opened it, and it had like a, it was a big green shirt with a picture of a buck on it, like a deer. I was like, thanks, Grandma. That's awesome, you know? Um, but we've been talking about gifts, and uh, gifts are meant to be used by the person that they're given to. And we really believe with all of our hearts and one of our values is that every single person is empowered by God and gifted by God and that no one was left out, right? And we don't believe also in a hierarchy of gifts. We're like, you know, the pastor's probably the most important and then the singers and then the kids' ministry because without them, we're all hosts. So maybe they're first, okay? So, and then after that, you know, just come and give money, right? That's traditionally, I think, how the church has functioned over the last 30 years or 50 years in, in America. So, but we really believe that God has given an equal portion of his personality, of his attributes. Like, like he took it, if it's like in a long string, he cut it all equally and he gave it to each person. And that together, we are to be the body of Christ, which is to empower and love and serve this world and to be his light and life to all people. Amen to that? Woo! Okay, I'm excited about it. Also, I think gifting is a tricky thing, too, because we live in a society that um, kind of wants to tell you who you are and tell you what to do, per se, or, or you feel like you have to be a certain way because this is what your mom or your dad said, or this is what is expected of you. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to come into our own, like, who really are we? Who, who really has God empowered us, equipped us to be? So we're going to talk today about, I think, one of the hardest little sections of gifting. Last week was great. Like, everyone's gifted. You use it whenever. And it's like, I serve at work. I do this at work. And today it gets a little bit, I think, for people, probably a little, oh, no. Right? Because these are, these are the gifts which I call the ministry gifts. Okay? These are called uh, what in Christian culture is maybe called the fivefold ministry or the apostolic gifts. But they're these gifts in the, in the chapter of Ephesians, chapter 4, that are specifically on how do we minister to other people. And minister, ministry is a scary word, right? Like when I was growing up, the church we grew up in, our pastor would be like, how many full-time ministers do we have? And everyone would be like, yay! And then like after the 5,000th time, they're like, he's like, how many full-time ministers do we have? And everyone's like, uh, I guess, you know? We really believe that every single person is equipped by God to minister and to love and the people around them. So we're going to talk about that. So if you're freaked out by that word minister, it's okay. We're going to be okay. So I'm going to pray. Are we good? Lord, thank you for this time. Speak your word, Lord. Your word is powerful. Your word is profound. Your word cuts into the depths of our heart and our life. And God, it's not just great rules to live by, even though they are, but it's something that's deep and profound to our souls. Lord, so I pray that we would realize 
the, the, the calling, the purpose on our lives, or that we are called on purpose, that your thoughts for us, your purposes for us outweigh the sand on the seashore. So, Father, bless this time in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's read this. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn to there. That's in the New Testament. Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And it's, an, it's probably my favorite, like one of those little letters. You know, it's six, six chapters. It's very heartfelt, but it's very, very profound and very um, tied to our identity and who we are, but also what we're, our goal and purpose is on this earth. Okay? So let's read this a little bit. So this is Paul talking to a church. So he's talking to us. It'd be like, like if I'm... If someone, I'm, or one of our other leaders are in another country or another place, and we write a letter and say, hey, this is what Aaron said, okay? Same type of thing. Definitely not comparing myself to Paul, because not even close, but okay. You get the gist of it. I'll quit talking now. All right. As a prisoner for the Lord, then. So Paul is in prison in Rome. As a prisoner for the Lord, then. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So this is to all people. This is not just to a few. I want you to live a life worthy of this calling, this purpose that you've received, each and every one of you. Be completely humble and gentle. These words are really, really deep and have a lot to them, but we'll just keep rolling through. Be completely, like fully humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Okay, I need to read that when you go talk to your boss. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul's creating this case. He's like, listen, every single person is called. The, the purpose of your calling or of your gifting is that we have one Savior, one God, and it's to serve and honor him, okay? And he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Okay, so this is a little bit different. Last week we talked about like into your DNA, God uh, put in these gifts. If you like to serve, serve with all your heart. If you want to give, give a whole bunch. That's the Greek. You know, if you want to, if you want to teach, teach with, with all you know, right? Right. But this is different. It's, this is about Jesus Himself has given these gifts to His church, to His people. This is very personal. It's tied to the ministry of Christ, the ministry of Jesus. He. It's a grace given by Jesus to you. And this is what it says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is, a very, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in, the, in order to fill the whole universe. So he's saying that Jesus had to come to earth he had to show us how to love and serve people well, right? The way Jesus loved and served people was revolutionary. Even if you don't believe Jesus was the Son of God, if you look at his teachings, the way he treated minorities, the way he treated women and exalted women to be equal with men, the way he treated people who were refugees or from faraway lands, I mean, he radically changed the way that we see love. It wasn't a hierarchy. It wasn't based on your status or how talented you were. It was based on your value and worth as a human being that was made in the image of God. And that's what Jesus came to show us. He changed the whole world. And he had to come down so that he could ascend. And then he ascended, and then this is what he did. It's like Jesus came and did all this stuff and practiced all these gifts and did all this ministry. And then he went up to heaven, and then he left those gifts here for us. And he left them and empowered them. So he went up, and he's like, all right, now you guys go do it. Right? Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes. He says, all right, now go make disciples. Show the whole world it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be hard. 
That's the translation. Right? And Jesus had to go up so he could bring his ministry down. And that's what we are given. To not only be loving and kind, but actually to literally minister like Christ did. And every single person in this room and every single person walking in the streets or wherever or in their homes is gifted in these things because Jesus came and he showed us and then he went and then he allowed us to have these gifts from him. Isn't that cool? I grew up in a theology that told me that I just have to hopefully do good enough to get to heaven. And I didn't ever hear that, man, maybe Jesus actually wants me to be involved in the restoration of this world and involved in the love of people who've never been loved and seeing injustice and being angry to the point of changing the injustice. That's what Jesus did for us, and he gave us those gifts. So now this is talk about the gifts. So Christ himself gave. Remember this. If you take, a, if you take the assessment, giftstest.com, go take it if you haven't. If you take the assessment and you get one of these gifts, and this, we, we talked about this with our team this week, like, well, what, are the, what are your gifts? And then whenever one of these gifts came up, it was like, well, yeah, I know I'm not like, very good at that, and I don't really know much about the Bible, and I don't really realize, I don't, I don't really know what to say, blah, blah. It was like all this apologizing, and I did it too, right? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I have this gift, but you know, I don't know. I just try my best, I guess, and blah, blah. <laughs> When, when, you, when, you, when you get one of these gifts on an assessment or someone speaks one of these things to you and you have this revelation, it's going to be, you're, this is how you're going to feel. Well, not me. I can't do that. And Paul is very clear. Christ gave himself to you, and Christ himself gave you these gifts. Personally, specifically, and he didn't mess up. Christ himself gave these to you. How personal is that, right? We get to serve a personal God. Christ himself gave him to you. And he says this, he gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, now you're all freaked out. Just, just calm down. Okay, it's going to be okay. So Christ himself gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to. So this is, there's a lot of like, this is what he gave, this is why, and this is what it means. Okay, this is, there's a study here. To equip his people for works of service, or to equip the saints to minister. To equip his people for the works of service. To equip his people to be like Christ wherever they go. To do the work of the ministry all, all wherever we are and whoever we come in contact with. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Anyone else? I want the whole thing. These gifts were given by Jesus himself to all of us so that we can become equipped to go out and be like Jesus wherever we go. And so we can be built up. So I have a little side here that talks about that. What is the purpose of these gifts? So that the church may be built up, may be edified. The goal, what it means to be equipped. I think sometimes we talk about, okay, we want to be, I got to be equipped to minister. Anyone hear that? And then you're like, how? What? What do I do? You know? And he gives us a little definition here. He says, all right, so equipping means that you're encouraged, that we come and we're encouraged. Like, listen, I'm a son or daughter of God. God loves me. He's forgiven me. Now I got to go and be like Jesus wherever I go. I can do that. Woo! Right? Encouragement. Or, hey, I'm down. It's been a rough week. Hey, you know what? God is going to be with you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to walk you through this season of life. He is there with you at all times. We can encourage each other in that, right? That's part of being equipped, to be encouraged. 
And then it's to be in unity. Unity means that we're not the same person, because that's weird. It doesn't mean that we all have the same gifts, because that's really weird. Ever been in a place where everyone has all the same gifts, and you're like just talking over each other? Like, oh my gosh, listen. No, we're different people with different gifts, with different perspectives, with, with different backgrounds, with different, actually, passions. But we have one purpose, and that's the unity of Christ to connect this community to him. Right? That's what unity looks like. So we're all on board. We're bought in. We're excited. Right? That's part of equipping. And the next thing is maturing, to become mature, to become more like Jesus. And this is not an exercise of the mind. Maturity is not that you know more. Anybody? Maturity is that you be, look more like Jesus. It's actually maturity is that you look more at the mirror and how God wants to change your heart and your life than how much you know and how much you know more than that person. That's what maturity is. Maturity, these things of equipping have very little to do with your depth of biblical knowledge. Okay? Learn the Bible, have a lot of depth, go for it. That's amazing. But what handcuffs us is our understanding that I don't know enough about whatever. Right? Anybody? Anyone ever said that? I don't, I don't know enough about that. I can't do that. I don't know enough about the Bible. I couldn't tell people. I, could, I don't really even know what all the stuff that Jesus said. What if I say the wrong thing? It's like, no, the purpose of these gifts is to build up the church, right? That we're encouraged. Like, hey, you're down. Let's, let's lift you up. You're struggling. We'll, struggle, we'll hang on with you. We'll come alongside you. You know, it's, it's unity. It's that we're all going towards the same vision, the same values, and we do it in our own way. And it's this beautiful thing, and it's a mess. Anybody? It's a mess sometimes. And then it's that we're becoming more like Jesus. Not that we're learning more, always. That we're becoming more like Jesus. Because, this is important. In John chapter 1, he says that the word became flesh, and his flesh dwelt among us. And so if you become more like Jesus, you know the Bible. When you become more like Jesus, you're more like what the Bible says. It's not, you might not be able to, you know, reference and verse everything. I can't either. But if you become more like Jesus, you really know the Bible. Is that good news? So we'll talk about these gifts now in a second. So then he says this. So the purpose of these gifts is to build up the church, to create encouragement and unity and maturity. And then it says, Then you will be no longer infants, tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching or by the cunning and craftiness of people with their deceitful schemings. Anyone feel like there's like selfish ambition and people are trying to get you to do what they want you to do? Right? And it's not always the best thing. You ever feel like sometimes you like hear this thing, and you're like, oh, I really want that. that is that true? I want, I want to do that. When I was a youth pastor, I remember one time I was like investing in these kids for like three years and like loving them and praying for them. And then there was like this weird video online that said that everything's, not, the Bible's not true, nothing's true. And they're like, you know, I just don't think I believe in Jesus anymore. I was like, because some idiot posted a YouTube video? I've been investing in you, you ungrateful little brats. <laughs> I think I did say that, by the way. It was awesome. That's what it's saying. It's like, I won't be, no matter what the new thing is, no matter how I feel per se in each day, it doesn't dictate how I serve Jesus or how I live out my life. It's a foundation. Instead of instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. 
as each part does its work. Notice the theme of all of this is love. Notice the theme of every gift of every scripture is that the goal of this is for us to be more like Jesus so that we can love people better. And if, and if you're, you realize your gifts and all of a sudden your gifts don't lend you to be like love, then, then you're not probably functioning in your gifts. And you're probably not letting Jesus shape the way you are and the way who you are. The goal is love. And in a world that sees Christians and their first word that they think is not love, right? When they see the church, they hear about the church, and the first word they think of is not love, sadly, in America. But we get an opportunity to change that. Last night we were at a wedding, and, and I got called, oh, you're the Christian friend. <laughs> and uh, it was so cool. At first it was made me really uncomfortable. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't really like that term. I mean, but... My name is Aaron. If you want to call me that, that's fine. But, um, but it was really funny because I feel like, in a way, I, we got to change the way. The first thing they saw was, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe being like Christ is love. What if that was the case? So there's these gifts that every single one of us are given. There's a teaching out there. This is controversial. So you, if you go online and read about this stuff... God bless you. You know, come back, Wolf Coffee. It'll be fun. Um, but there's this kind of thought process of the fivefold ministry of the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, and the prophet are really kind of specific gifts given to a couple. And their job is to equip everyone else to go out and do all the work. Okay? I don't think that's biblical. I don't think it's true. It doesn't lend itself to believe that. Some people think that those gifts died off. Now we just kind of like go for it until Jesus comes back. Don't think that's true either. So, I believe that these gifts, every single person in this room carries a, a one of these gifts, or maybe two. All of us carry all of them because Christ dwells inside of us, right? Amen to that. So we all carry all of them, but we function best in certain ones. That's what I believe. So let's talk about these. There's the apostle. The apostle's the pioneer. The apostle sees something, and they want to start something new. Or they see a problem, or they see a lack of something happening, and they want to do something new. This is, outside of the church, these are entrepreneurs, these are people that want to do startups. They start a business, four or five years in, they're bored, they want to start another one. And you're like, man, that person's so flaky. Should watch our judgments, right? That's a gift from God to go and pioneer new endeavors. A lot of people start nonprofits, they start businesses, they see problems, and they go and they say, we got to do something about this, we got to change it, right? In my life, I've always functioned in this way. I've always been someone who's been like, hey, let's start this thing, that'd be fun. Whenever I'm starting something new, I just love it so much, and God is, like, so close to me, and then my, everyone's just freaking out around me, and I don't care. It's so fun. <laughs> but it works. Everything I've ever done, we've pioneered, honestly. I don't ever want to be called an apostle because it's terrifying, right? Because it's like, I don't want to be called an apostle. Ugh. But I've always functioned in, here's something that needs to get done. Let's build it. Let's do it. Okay? Apostles, their heart is to plant new churches. It's to start new ministries. It's to see neglected regions or neglected people and to build endeavors that would help those people to see, to see there be change. This can be nonprofits. It can be churches. It can be ministries. It can be seeing people and helping develop them to send them out to go do and start things, right? If you have a heart, of an apostle's heart, it's that you see a problem and you want to build something that fixes it and then you want to move on and do the next thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's actually the, you work the best when you do that. And if you try to do the same thing forever, it'll probably kill you. Right? You might have lost a heart and passion for the thing that you were doing because it's time for you to do the next thing. 
And when you do the next thing, man, you are just on. You're just fired up, and it's the best. You chase that feeling responsibly. <laughs> that was good, right? Yes. That was good. That was good. <laughs> next. So the, the apostle, uh, so Apostle Paul, we call him Apostle Paul, not because he was this great teacher and whatever, but because he pioneered churches all over the world. He basically brought the church to the rest of the world. He raised up and sent, raised up and sent, raised up and sent. Uh, we believe our call as 23 in Fort Collins as well as Greeley is to raise up and send and to provide more church opportunities like this for people to grow. So if you want to do that, come talk to me. If you try to hide, I will find you. Just kidding. All right, the next is, the, is prophecy. This one freaks people out a lot, okay? This one's probably the most, has been the most abused in our culture. I am the prophet. I will come and I will tell you how terrible you are, and then you will give me an offering, and then I will leave. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, right? Or I will come and I will create this, I'll just, oh, hoopla, and then I'm just going to go and I don't have to deal with anything, you know? In some ways, that's how the prophet works. In the Old Testament, the prophet would come in and be like, hey, listen, if you don't figure it out, everyone's dead. And they're like, all right, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Right? The, the, the prophet or the pro or gift of prophecy is one who sees. It's the ability to see what can, is going to happen next or to see in someone something that they don't see. I think the best way to say to prophecy or discernment is to say this person can see. I can see things. You know, you meet someone, you're like, I don't know about that guy. You're like, oh, I'm just a jerk. But actually, you're seeing, right? This person um, has the ability to, to hear and see and communicate God's heart for other people and that they can't see themselves. So I've had times where people have given me words of prophecy, basically said, telling me, hey, this is who you are because I couldn't see it. God's proud of you. I couldn't see it. This is where God wants you to go. I, I couldn't see it. I had a friend before we moved here. We were praying about moving here and doing this stuff doing this thing called church. And then uh, we were in this circle of this guy who's very prophetic and a, someone I trust deeply. And he, he's given all these words to people and they're crying. And he comes to me, he's like, Aaron, you're going to be a church planner and a senior pastor. And I'm like, ah you know? Because I couldn't see it. I didn't have the confidence to see it. I had the heart's desire to do it. I didn't have the confidence to see it. People with the gift of prophecy can see. They're strategic. Right? You might be at your job, and you're like, yeah, I don't know if we should do that, because this could happen. I think we should do this, and then that's the thing to do. That's prophetic gifting. Right? It's not that you have to like wear a suit and drive a Cadillac and come up here and be like, you, stand up. I'll tell you all the things. That does function like that. Sans Cadillac. <laughs> but the people that have the gift of prophecy, we need in the church. We need people to see. We need people to be able to pull out of other people the potential and the truth and the love that's in there. We need the people with the gift of prophecy to not be like, oh, I am the prophet. To be like, hey, man, I don't know. This is, you know, humbly I say, I feel, I feel like God's saying this to you or he's believing this for you or I can see this in you. People can't see. Prophecy gift sees. And it's scary. Oh, gosh, I'm going to tell this person this thing. Remember, Christ has given you the gift. He entrusted you with it already. And it's just an honor for him to let you go for it. And in all these gifts, we fail sometimes. The point is that we do it. Make sense? Prophecy, people with the gift of prophecy. I'm not going to call you Prophet Jeff. If that's your name, then cool. But uh, most people with the gift of prophecy don't even, would never, ever, ever say that they are. And that's the you know, humility we talked about. Next one is the gift of evangelism. Also scary. I'm not Billy Graham, right? 
I'm not the bullhorn guy on the side of the road. I'm not these things. Uh, I call the evangelism gift gatherers. They gather people. That they have a heart for people outside this building, and they see them, and they love them, and they just want to get them all together, and we, they want to talk to them about it, talk to them about life. And they want to insert the love of Jesus into that conversation. They're, they're gatherers. A lot of people outside the church, they're great marketers. They're great salespeople. If you ever talk to someone who's a great salesperson, you're like, man, you're just an evangelist. Go sell that thing, but then go evangelize. Promote marketing people. This is the strength and ability to take, help non-followers of Jesus take steps towards being followers of Jesus. And they have a heart for that. And they just want to see, they're like, oh man, I met this person, I'm praying for them, I want to see them come to know Jesus, I'm going to invite them to church, we're going to hang out in this group, it's going to be awesome. And these people just are excited when they're out there. It's just the best, right? And they get annoyed with church people. Church people, what's your problem? Right? It's really important. Evangelists don't tie their value and their worth to the amount of people they've led to Christ. That their value and their worth and their amount of giftedness is not in the checking the board. I led four people to Christ, look at me. Right? It's that you have a heart for people. And you're leading people closer to God's heart. Next is the teacher. The teacher teaches, trains. That's an easy one. These people are trainers, they're teachers, they're people that love to instill knowledge. Um, they are, in some ways, they help make sure people's hearts and minds, they believe and know the truth, and they teach the word, and they teach how to live the best way. Um, teachers really have a heart for not just truth, but for the application of truth. Hey, we, we taught you this thing, but we really want you to know how to do this thing. Okay, we need teachers in the body of Christ, uh, especially in understanding the word in the right way. Because we've had people that have taught the Bible, that has not been very helpful, but we need teachers to really dissect and understand, is this God's heart? Is this what we should believe? Is this what we should think in this day and age? As, as the world is so, is so rapidly changing, what does God's word say? And we need teachers to help us understand that. Lastly is our pastor and our shepherd. I call this a guide. Jesus is the good shepherd, Right? I don't have to be Jesus to anybody. You don't have to be Jesus to anybody. But if you have a shepherding heart or a pastoral heart, your, your job and our job is to guide people towards Jesus. You know, It's like Jesus is in the front, and I'm in the back, and we're just like, all right, go that way. Look at him. Keep going towards him. That's the place to go. right? It's care. It's nurture. It's helping people who are, um, uh, who, who are in need or helping people find healing from, from hurt in life. Pastors, uh, traditionally, that's what we call every leader in the church is the pastor. You're the pastor. But biblically, it's really the functioning of all these gifts. And some people are not very pastoral, but they're great evangelists or they're great apostles. They're great prophets in some way, but they don't really pastor well. But typically, we just call everyone pastor, right? So the pastor is important. I keep telling myself. Just kidding. <laughs> Because the pastor really has a heart for the sheep. Like we read, like he leaves the nine, Jesus left the 99 for the one. He cares really about the specific need of the person. It's not about the numbers, it's about the individual. We really need the pastor. So the apostles, they pioneer. The reason why the church has been dying in America is because we haven't, until the last 10 years, pioneered new endeavors. We've just tried to build big churches. And now there's more churches closing than opening. Just so you know, and the biggest church, in this, the, the mean church size is like 60 people, 50 people. 
And now we're getting this, okay, we got to pioneer new churches. We need to pioneer new ministries. We got to see problems and create world visions. And we got to create Compassion Internationals. And we got to create whatever ministry that's going to help people in need. We need apostles. We need prophets. We need people that can see and can speak in faith in a humble way, right? We need people that can see what people, other people can't see, see what's in you that I can't see, right? We need that gift mix. We need evangel evangelists, people that can gather, that have a heart for people outside the body and outside the family that want to bring people into the family. We need teachers who want to train and guard and protect and show how the what truth is and the best way to live. And then we need pastors who can care and who can guide towards Jesus. And when this happens, when we celebrate these gifts and when we identify them in our lives and we say, okay, yeah, it could be this, it's going to freak you out. You're going to be like, oh gosh, I, I scored evangelism? Oh no, I don't want to do that. The truth is, is you're probably already doing that. The truth is, if you score, I have a gift of discernment or prophecy, you're probably already seeing. Anybody? You're probably already like getting a vibe for people, getting a perspective for things that maybe you don't trust or believe, but you got to start trusting that God has entrusted you with that and has given you that gift. Maybe you have a heart for people and you've just been called like a, oh, you just, oh, you just love too much or you just have too much mercy, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, I am a shepherd called by God to lead people towards him. And we need each one of us to function this way. And the reason why the church does not, is not built up, the reason why people are not edified, the reason why people are not encouraged and maturing is because we don't, we haven't celebrated these gifts. We haven't seen people, have, I, I don't know who the evangelists are, and, and I don't, we don't know who the prophets are, and it's not like, okay, now prophet Jeff, let's talk. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be that goofy, it's weird, it's just understanding who I am, because when I understand who I am, I don't need a title, I don't need a platform, I don't need a position, I'm just going to be that guy, right? I don't care, I'm an exhorter, I'm going to start new things, and I'm going to have people over, we're going to eat really good food. That's how it's going to be. That's me. I'm going to teach the best I can the word of God and the truth of God through the heart of his love for all of you. I don't care where I do it, I'm going to do it, right? That's what we need. We need a church of people that understand and now can know and grow and share those gifts together. And this is where it gets goofy, because when you see those words come up, I know exactly how you feel. I can't do that. I am not enough for that. I don't know enough. I don't believe enough. I don't have enough faith. I'm really sinful. I, you have no idea what I did last weekend. I haven't even prayed this week, you know? All these things, right? Anybody? This is what Jesus says about you. You guys can come up. We're going to close. This is what God says about you. This is, I know that we read this verse and we're like, oh, thank you, God. These words are, are much deeper and more profound than we think. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. Remember when, remember when Jesus himself gave you the gifts? Remember that? How Jesus himself, he, he came to earth, he showed us, because these are the Christ's ministry, all these gifts are Christ's ministry. And then he ascended so that he could let us play. Right? When I was in football in seventh grade, I only played one play all year. You don't feel as bad for me as you should. I'm just saying. <laughs> the coach didn't like me. I was maybe not that great. But in seventh grade, I only played one play all year. And I remember one time my parents, they uh, videotaped the whole game, but they just put the video camera on me on the bench. And I remember being like, why are you just recording me standing there? Right? You know what? 
In so many ways, this is how it's been in the church. You can sit on the sideline unless you are the preacher. You're, what you can give to the body of Christ is only in what you can give in a plate. And what you give to God is only what you can serve on a Sunday morning. And I don't know about you, but I want to play the game. And I don't want to just play so I can have all the glory, but I want to see us all in the game playing. I want to see us doing our best to exercise our gifts. I feel the value of Christ's love in us as we just become who we've always wanted to be. God's never called anyone to sit on the bench and just want to get in. He hasn't given you a gift that you're just like, uh, I don't know. I don't, know, I don't want to open it. I'm scared what will happen. If, I, if I'm a pastor, how do I do that? I don't know the Bible. If I'm a prophet, oh my gosh. That, I can't even say that word without getting nauseous. But all you do is you see. And what you see is what people need so that they can see the love of their Father. And as an evangelist, all you see and all you do is gather people that are desperately in need of a Savior that loves them. As a pastor, all you see is people who are hurting, and all you want is for them to be mended and whole. And as apostle, all you see is the problems and the people that are without, and the people that don't have that, and all you want to do is just let's get something going. As a teacher, you see people that are blown by the wind every which way, and you want them to stand on the rock. So this is what God says of us. You are a chosen people, every one of you. This is the big one. You are a royal priesthood. That means your job is you are royalty with Christ. You are a part of his kingdom. You are seated with him, the Bible says. You are seated with him on the throne with him. That means he calls you king. We're kings of this world. We get to lead and serve and bless this world. We are a priesthood. That means we get to minister Christ's love. Minister is not a scary word. It just means that you serve people the way they need to be served. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And here's the word that I think we're going to pray that God would, I don't know, dismantle from our brain, is that we're not enough to do these things. I don't know this enough. I'm not smart enough. People don't like me enough. I can't do this. I don't know enough. Whatever it is. Anyone ever feel that way? It's not enough. If I knew this, I'd be good. If I had this, I'd be good. If I had a little more, I'd be okay, but I can't do it. If you're, every one of you has one of these gifts inside of them. And like we said last week, it's like lighting a lighter. It's just sparking. And one of the things that kills that is this heart and attitude that I'm not enough. I'm not enough to be used by God. I'm not enough to be loved by God even. So why would I be used by God? I'm not enough to be forgiven. You have no idea what I did. And God says, no, no. I myself gave you these gifts, fully knowing who you are. And it was exciting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to give Jenny this gift. It's going to be amazing. And when she uses it, I'm going to see her come alive inside. And I'm going to see people experience my love that have never experienced my love before. And it is our job to identify it, to, to pray and ask to seek God on it. And then it's our job to go for it. So that would be my prayer for you. 
as we sing this song, would you think about those five gifts? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. Would you just be like, man, God, where, where am I at in this? What does this mean? And, and this is what I would pray. Every time that a thought about not being enough, not having enough, not being smart enough comes in your mind, that we would just be like, no, that's not true. Because this is what it is. You know, I might have like this much, but Jesus has it all. And Jesus, you know why Jesus loves children so much? Because they don't care if they have enough or not. They're like, I got enough money. I got eight cents. We're doing this, right? It's like, I'm going to build this. You got one screw and one board. I don't care. I'm doing it. And you know what we call that? Kids. And then we sit there and we say, all I have is this. I can't do it. God's like, listen, I just fill up the whole rest. I'm going to fill up the whole rest of it. You got one screw, one piece of wood? Let's fill it all up. We got this. You got $10? We're going to give it. We're going to multiply that. You have no idea how that's going to work. You have a little faith that you see, a little faith that you can pioneer, a little faith that you can teach. All you need is a little faith. So I'd like to pray for you. Lord, would you just take this group of people who you love so deeply? Would you fill them with your love and with your spirit? If you're here, everyone, no one's going to look at you. No one's going to embarrass you. If you're like, man, I feel in most of my life that I'm not enough, that I'm not a royal priesthood, that I'm not a chosen people, that I'm not gifted. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just shoot your hand up. I'm not going to point you out. Yeah. Anyone else feel that way? Yeah. 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 Father, would you just right now in the, in the beauty of your love, the beauty of your peace, God, would you take all those lies of our value, of our worth, of our abilities, God, that, that are not of you, and just push them out? Would you fill them fully with your love, with your spirit, with the understanding that you've created, you've gifted, you've equipped us today to do your work, to be like you, God? And every single person, maybe we, maybe these words bring, bring up a bad experience, and God, I pray that you just would heal it now as we sing. Heal it, God. What you can do in a second, what can take years to get through and to get healed from, God, we ask and we just speak our words to heal and to do a work in us so that we can identify how we are equipped to minister to you and to other people. Lord Jesus, the people here, including myself, who just feels like, man, I don't, I don't have what it takes to do this. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. God, thank you that you have done it. You've done it all. You know it all, and you are with us each day in every situation. So, guys, we sing this song. God, would you just build our faith? As we sing now, just, just in your own heart and mind, you can just stay seated. Um, just, what is God saying to you? Where, where do you feel like these match? And if you, can't, if you can't even bring yourself to say one of them, can you ask God just to like show you in a real way? So Lord, do it now. Speak to your children who you love. Thank you.